if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Good morning, Cleveland. The best location in the nation, home to the smartest, fastest, most industrious, and best looking people on the planet. This is the Bob France Authority. I'm not Bob France. I'm Pete Kersenow, substituting for Bob. Regular listeners know that I'm Bob's usual Tuesday, 10 o'clock guest. Um, a lawyer, member of the U.S. Commission on Civil Rights, former member of the now-defunct 1776 Commission. In fact, I'm a former member of a lot of things that must be telling about something. Former NLRB member, you name it. Um, I'm also very often on all the other Salem shows, whether it be Hugh Hewitt, Larry Elder, so on and so forth. And I'm on many of the Fox evening shows, Tucker Carlson, Shannon Bream, etc. Um, I also do a little bit of speaking around the state and the country, actually. But in Northeast Ohio, I enjoy speaking to Bob's listeners on a regular basis. In fact, this Saturday, I'll be at one of my usual haunts, one of my favorite groups. It's the Medina County Friends and Neighbors this Saturday at the Thirsty Cowboy out in Medina at 9 a.m. Be there or be square, as they say. The telephone number, if you'd like to be engaged in the conversation, is 888 888- Two eight one 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 zero, or nine zero one o nine four five. That's nine zero one o nine o nine four five. At the bottom of the hour, we're going to be talking about what well, what everyone is talking about or should be alarmed about, and that's critical race theory in the sixteen nineteen project. We'll be talking with Mike Goldstein of PJTN. In the second hour, we'll be, let me say, may be talking about election integrity with my fellow civil rights colleague, Jay Christian Adams, and is also a member of the Election Law Center and a former Justice Department attorney with the voting section of the Civil Rights Division, knows more about election law and voting than anybody in the world, I'd say. Uh, I say maybe because he may have to address an issue this morning that precludes his appearance, in which case we'll go directly to your calls. And again, that number is 888-281-1110 or 901-0945. So feel free to call, talk about almost any matter. But the pressing issues of the day have to do with a whole host of matters. And one of the, one of the things I'd like to address, if possible, um, if we have sufficient time, and I think we may, is what 
scares you the most? Now, I know most Clevelanders, especially people who listen to this show, don't scare easily. But what frightens you about the prospects of America's future? What pending issues do you think are most threatening to the continued viability of America as we know it? What are the things you're concerned about that will affect your kids and grandkids while you've had maybe a decent life in America? And we've all had ups and downs. We've had economic issues. We've had medical issues. We've had all forms of personal issues. But in the main, if you live in the United States of America in the 21st century, you're living in the greatest period of time in the greatest place in the history of mankind. But it's, I think, the consensus among some of us, maybe many of us, and definitely those who refer to ourselves as conservatives, that we're living in extraordinary times, perilous times. We're nervous about what's going on. We don't like the direction of the country. And we fear because as conservatives, we know a bit about history. We try to familiarize ourselves with not just American history, but history throughout the ages, regardless of nation, regardless of civilization. And we have a pretty good understanding intuitively that we can't do what we appear to be doing. And what do we appear to be doing? Well, we've talked a little bit about it with Bob on this show. And what it appears we're doing is engaging in a monumental act of self-destruction. Here we have erected the greatest nation on earth, and I repeat myself, but it is in fact true. And it's not just as a whole, but various components of this nation are the greatest that have ever been produced. Our system of government, for example. Yeah, yeah, I know. It was just a bunch of racist white men who put together this nation. So you should just diminish everything that's been done, completely dismiss it, and hew to what Karl Marx has done, okay, because he got it right. Um, we've got some of the greatest cultural institutions. We've got the greatest economic engine that we've ever seen. We've got the greatest military, and just on an individual basis, some of the best people who've ever lived on this planet. And what we're doing is engaging in an act of self-denigration and deprecation, self-destruction, that is truly astonishing. The rest of the world, particularly our adversaries, or dare, dare I say enemies, such as China and Iran, are looking at us, and at least internally, they're permitting themselves a little smirk or smile. They can't believe their good fortune. China wants to supplant us as the premier power in the world, and they don't need to do so militarily. Yes, they've gone crazy developing themselves economically, technologically, and militarily for the defined purpose of becoming the most powerful nation on earth and dictating terms to us. But they're looking at us and saying, you know, we may not have to fight a war over Taiwan. We may not have to fight any kind of military engagement with the United States of America because they are suffocating themselves with so many petty idiocies. And some of them aren't petty, I would say. One of those is, as I said, we'll be discussing at the bottom of the hour, critical race theory. My own view of critical race theory, and I could expound on this for a long time, and I know some of you have heard me talk about this on Bob's show and on other shows, is that this is the greatest internal threat to the United States of America since the Civil War. It is 
an act of self-desiccation practically. We are teaching our kids, that's the worst part of it, we're teaching our kids K through 12 and in college that America is a fundamentally racist country, racist from its inception, and therefore all of the institutions are necessarily racist and all the systems are necessarily racist, intrinsically so. We cannot escape the essential racism of America, according to this this doctrine. And it's actively being taught, and worse than that, it's being taught in the most invidious ways. We're telling kids who are second grade, third grade, fifth grade, that based on the color of their skin, This is exactly what they're saying. Based on the color of their skin, they are either in an oppressor group or an oppressed group. And all of the indices that flow therefrom are are endemic to their skin color, skin color alone. And if you come from the oppressor group, you must check your white privilege You must abandon your culture because it is oppressing and racist. If you come from the oppressed group, well, any failure that befalls you, any misfortune that befalls you is not your fault. It is the direct result of the racism that was instituted in this country back in the 15-1600s. In fact, critical race theory posits, the 1619 Project posits that Slavery was the founding institution for this country. They even maintain that the Civil War was fought. I'm strike that. The Revolutionary War was fought to preserve slavery. Historians uniformly deride and reject this. In fact, when the 1619 Project was first enunciated by the New York Times, it was three leftist historians of renown, including Sean Walensky of uh, of, uh, Princeton, who said, this is balderdash. This is ridiculous. Nonetheless, that hasn't deterred the forces of the left. And believe me, the forces of the left are on the march. They control almost every major institution in this country, and they have just baldly marched forth, proclaiming these idiocies and falsehoods without blinking, without flinching, regardless of how many times experts say, this is crazy. You don't have to be an expert to know it's crazy. Just look around at America. Are there racists in a country of 330 million people? Well, son of a gun. Laws of proper probability say, yes, they're going to be. They're bald guys. There are all kinds of, I don't mean to equate racism with baldness, but you're going to have a certain percentage, by the way, I'm bald, a certain percentage of individuals that are going to fall into any group. But it's a distinct and vanishingly small minority. And to the extent our systems are racist, we can talk about that a little bit later in the hour as to how that racism manifests itself, and it goes in the opposite direction of what our betters say. But what I'd like to hear from you while we have time between guests is... You've heard what I believe to be the greatest threat, that is, critical race theory and 1619 Project right now. Now, I don't mean to diminish the threats that come from, say, China, threats that come from election integrity issues, um, all manner of threats, the kind of typical threats that nations have to deal with, economic dislocation, etc. But the United States has proven 
since its inception to be able to survive external threats. We fought great wars. We fought several wars that were, you know, World War One, World War Two. They were world wars. These were serious engagements against serious powers bent on world domination. We had a civil war, and yet right now we are engaged in this act of self-flagellation, self-immolation that we've never seen before, and query whether or not in history any civilization has decided that it's not worthy of existence and must be dismantled wholesale because of an alleged uh, evil uh, that occurred 200, 300 years ago. Again, I'm not diminishing that evil whatsoever. But again, we are talking about 2021, and to listen to many in academia, many in big media, big tech, social media, it's as if in every nook and cranny in the United States, racism persists and dominates. So, as I indicated, bottom of the hour, we're going to be exploring this a little bit more with Mike Goldstein, but for right now, if we have some time, feel free to call in. Tell me, what do you perceive to be the greatest threats to America? What scares you the most? We'll talk about that a little bit more when we come back from break, and we'll talk about it with Mike Goldstein at the bottom of the hour. Okay, we're back in the Bob France Authority. Pete Kersenow substituting for Bob France. And the question that I posed was, what is your greatest fear? What do you perceive to be the greatest threat to America today? And the lines lit up. I got to say, there are a number of people who've got opinions. I don't know that we're going to be able to get to you all before the bottom of the hour. In fact, I doubt it. But I'm going to go in order. Let's go first to Jim in West Park. Jim, how are you today? Good. I would say the malpractice media, the propaganda they spread with these red flag lies, the government takeover, the government corruption, and here's proof. Yesterday or Sunday they wrote, they had a two and a half page article about the anniversary of the Kent shooting. Okay, and not one word about two and a half days of looting and burning in town. And then the, the burning of the ROTC center. Okay, so these soldiers were called in. They pushed the hippies over the top of the hill. And the hippies came back over the top of the hill and started throwing rocks. And one of the soldiers got hit in the head with a rock, the face. And he discharged his gun accidentally. And the rest of the front line followed suit. This is the lies that we hear from. And I want to thank you for taking my call. I know there's some more behind me. Bye. Jim, thanks so much for your call. Yeah, the dishonest, corrupt media. In my lifetime, the media has always been liberal. We all know this. We've seen it. We kind of built in an expected bias and calibrated how, what, how we concluded or how we analyzed stories based on it. But now, for the first time in my lifetime, which has been very long, for the last, at least since the... Trump election of 2016 and just prior thereto, the media has thrown all 
objectivity to the wind. They become pure propagandist. They outright lie. And when I say lie, it's not that they make a mistake or they shade their storytelling, and that's basically what it is, in a particular direction. They will look at the sky and tell you it is green. It's one of the most amazing things I've seen in my lifetime. And how do you deal with that when it's ubiquitous? Not only is it CNN, MSNBC, ABC, CBS, etc., not only it is all the major newspapers, but it's big tech social media. They saturate the airwaves, uh, the, uh, they saturate computers, they saturate social media with their version of reality. And on top of that, they suppress the truth. Truly an amazing thing to see, and it in Affects all of our major institutions, perhaps most troubling, K through 12 and college. So we have gone from education, and I'm not saying we've completely abandoned education. Don't don't get me wrong. I'm not don't want to be over the top on it, but the indoctrination is occurring apace. It truly is an astonishing and troubling thing to see. Let's go next to Sally in Berea. Sally, how are you? I'm good, and I'm honored to speak with you. One of my biggest concerns is that the present denigration of patriotism that would even allow something as radical as the critical race theory to be put forward. Um, I did want to mention a ray of hope, though, that I had when I heard that the local school board had approved a measure to allow... um, individual teachers the choice of having the Pledge of Allegiance start their their uh, daily classes. It was one of my fond memories in the old days. Uh, I'm not sure how uh, the NEA would look on this, and I don't know how many teachers would be assertive enough to do it. It would be nice if the classes could vote on it, which would be fair and, and in- inclusive. But I'm hoping that um, some of them will and that my grandkids could have the share that same experience of honoring their country. And thank you for letting me expound. Definitely, Sally. Thanks very much. And i got to say, you know, for those of us, and I know members of this listening audience know their history, and the history is when you take a look at, for example, the Venona Cables and a lot of the documents that, that became public after the Soviet Union fell, we knew that from at least the 1930s and stepped up in the 1950s, the Soviet Union tried to do to us what we are now voluntarily doing to ourselves. They tried to infect us by battling on the basis of race, division on a whole host of categories, and we're now doing it in our educational institutions. We're now doing it in our HR departments at major corporations. We're now doing it in bureaucracies. Extraordinary thing to see. Sally, thanks very much. We're going to go to the bottom of the hour here pretty soon, and we will have... TJ, John, and Peter, if we can get to you, we will do so. And then we have at the bottom of the hour, uh, Mike Goldstein is going to be talking a little bit about his experiences with respect to Critical Race and 1619 Project. And I hope if you hold on, you can call in and uh, uh, talk to him, and we can continue this discussion about what you perceive to be the greatest threat to America, what scares you most about our future. We're back 
Cleveland on the Bob France Show. Bob's out today. You know, we're fortunate in Cleveland to have so many great things in our city, and one of them is the best radio talk show host in America. Unfortunately, now that uh, Rush has passed, that mantle has been taken over by Bob France. It's unfortunate that Rush passed, not that Bob has taken over the mantle. But I have the honor and privilege of substituting for him today, and I'm going to do my best to uh, uh, do honor to uh, what Bob has done for quite some time now, and he does every single day. The phone lines are packed. I want to get to everybody that we can. Clearly something has struck a nerve here, and you all want to talk. Please hold on. At the bottom of this hour, as I indicated, we're going to be talking to Mike Goldstein uh, in just a moment about, among other things, critical race and the battle he has fought valiantly for quite some time against all manner of things related to critical race, 1619 Project, etc. Um, one of the things, of course, we're addressing is the greatest uh, threat that you perceive to be uh, the United States of America. But I also want to reiterate a couple things. As I indicated before, I love speaking to Clevelanders. I do so on a regular basis, and I want to remind everybody I'll be speaking to the Medina County Friends and Neighbors, McFan, one of my favorite groups at the Thirsty Cowboy this Saturday at 9 o'clock. Be there or be square, as you say. We also had, we should discuss at some point, I hope if we can get it in, the draft. Now, typically, I've been, as you know, I've been somewhat chagrined, somewhat being uh, kind of charitable, about this wokeism that's pervading professional sports, including the Cleveland Browns. If they want to get their fan base completely back, they need to abandon that and embrace the United States of America and the American flag. I was distressed, however, that uh, unfortunately I was not taken in the draft as many prognosticators had expected. Um, you know, I know I've got a lot of emails from people who are sorely disappointed, but... It's the free agency period. I'm still hopeful I get picked up as a free agent. 6'2", 215, I'm, I'm an old man. I've only, you know, maybe dropped a step or two. Still think I can do about a 4.5540, and I am good for an out pattern. I can do the bench press 18 times at 225 pounds. Stefanski, Barry, if you guys are listening, got to draft me if you want to go to the Super Bowl. Let's go to Mike Goldstein and talk a little bit about critical race. Um, as many of you know, you've heard from Mike in the past. He's general counsel and state of Ohio director of proclaiming justice to the nation. Uh, he's also a 30-year veteran of the United States Navy, the U.S. intelligence community. PG, PGTN, which is proclaiming justice to the nation, has been in the forefront for years of analyzing our textbooks that the children have been using and have found all manner of inaccuracies in there. Sometimes you have to wonder, why do all of the inaccuracies seem to go in one direction? Well, Mike has ferreted out much of those, presented them uh, to the authorities and said, hey, fix this stuff. Mike's worked with the Ohio General Assembly, passing legislation on, anti- on, on constitutionalism, anti-Semitism in education in Ohio. He testifies this before the House and the Senate uh, in Ohio. Most recently, and Mike and I have worked on this together, is the spreading of the 1619 Project, even though they kind of camouflage how they uh, uh, teach this in our schools. They call it something else. But they are spreading 1619 Project critical race theory propaganda in our schools under the aegis of something that was passed in the summer called Resolution 20. So let's talk about that with Mike. Mike, are you there? I'm here, Pete. Mike, how are you today? 
I'm fine. And I want to tell you that most men don't tell their wives about this. Um, I'm about your age. And about three years ago, I decided I probably will never be playing Major League Baseball. Well, you know, I'm sure you probably still keep a glove next to your easy chair while you're watching Indian games in case you get the call, right? You get that call because somebody got injured in the outfield and you can get downtown in maybe 25 minutes and you're ready to go, right? That's right. I still have my Stan Musial uh, um, glove that was given to me for my 12th birthday, and I used it all through my life. <laughs> there you go. See, now I've got my spikes on on Sundays while watching the games. I'm ready to go. I'm not that far from downtown Cleveland. Somebody goes down, I can be there in a heartbeat. Coach yeah, Stefanski. They're, take, they're taking the major league sports away from us. They are. It's but very if, sad. if Coach Stefanski wants to win the Super Bowl, if he suffers <laughs> an injury mid-game, call Curse Now, I'll be there. I play dirty, but I play smart. Mike, that's right. Let's right. talk a little bit about 1619 Project Critical Race, all the work that you've been doing. I know I talk to you on a regular basis, at least once a week, and uh, you're uh, indefatigable. You uh, you've been <laughs> battling this for quite some time. Hey, tell our audience a little bit about um, first of all what you perceive is going on at the State of Ohio Board of Education. Uh, I know you've testified a number of times down there, as has your colleague Kathy Johnson. You guys have been on the forefront of battling the kind of indoctrination that uh, we've seen in many states across the country. And this Resolution 20 that was passed last summer, what's your perspective on all this? Well, I've testified several times before the State Board of Education um, on other issues, not just this issue. And I testified pre-COVID when they were live and we were down there. Um, which is a better way to do this because then you can stand around and talk to people, witnesses and things. But anyway, um, <clears throat> testified in July last, <clears throat> excuse me, July 2020, um, about the 1619 project and its inclusion as a resource to teachers and schools in the Department of Education website. Um, Kathy and I both testified against it. Um, uh, for obvious reasons, which I'll, I'll explain in a second. But um, it turns out that members, conservative members of the State Board of Education, had been asking the Department of Education, why, how do things get vetted to go on your website? What's the process? Who's in charge of it? And the, uh, the, the, the uh, superintendent, um, uh, Mr. Uh, DeMaria Paolo, um, he never answers them. He never gives them an answer. It's been at least a year since they've been asking that question, and he just he doesn't ignore it. He says, well, that's really tough to do. You know. So at any rate, it's still there. Um, we had um, a gentleman come in from Robert Woodson's 1776 Unites Project, not to be confused with President Trump's 1776 Commission, for which you were a member. But this is um, an organization of very, very successful black men, and I think there are women, too, um, who have made it in America. The, pro the, the premise of the 1619 Project is that Ameri America's foundation was based on protecting slavery that our Revolutionary War, war was fought to um, preserve slavery and uh, that everything we all learned about uh, the founding of America as a, um, a place for human rights and uh, free enterprise and the uh, pursuit of happiness is abs absolutely wrong. 
So um, these gentlemen in the 1776 Unites Project not only are all very successful, they wrote very nice essays, you can find them online, um, but they specified that they were successful only, they could only have been successful in America because America offered them, afforded them the opportunity if they studied and worked hard and did what they needed to do to become successful. The, the, the premise of the 1619 Project and critical race theory is that um, all white people are biased against all black people, and black people can't get ahead because every time they try to get ahead, they are knocked down by white racism. Mike, Mike so, let's stop right there for one second with that thought in mind. Um, you know, think of like a 7, 8, or even a 15, 16-year-old who is immersed in that kind of indoctrination, who has been, mm-hmm. been told that based on the color of their skin, they either have an advantage or are permanently disadvantaged. What kind of child abuse is this? I'm not overstating that. It's, it's truly an astonishing thing that we're doing that. If, if you're, uh, my kids are grown, obviously, I, I've got grandkids now. But if someone had done that to my kids, told them that because of the color of their skin, there's no way in the world they're going to have the same advantages as white kids. Well, first of all, I don't think that I would be that peaceful in uh, uh, presenting my counter-arguments. I would be infuriated. And have you seen that kind of fury on the part of parents that somehow they're telling kids, hey, no matter what, you can't make it. And it provides them with a built-in excuse for failure and Human nature being what it is, well, son, son of a gun, there's going to be a, a irreducible percentage of individuals who are going to take that excuse and run with it. Don't well, you think? It's not, even, it's not even just an excuse. It's, it's a state of mind. They're being told, they're being taught that they cannot succeed because the white man will stop them at every turn. So why should they try? And, they, and a lot of them don't try. So it's a, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Um, and about parents, parents have learned now, and it's, I think it's expanding exponentially. Um, I know uh, Jonathan uh, Broadbent from Beachwood was on with Bob yesterday, Bob France, and he's leading the fight here at the local level uh, with the Beachwood uh, Board of Education. But parents are really waking up, and he's getting calls from people all over the country. Um, I don't know if he talked about this yesterday. Um, in Missouri, um, one of the... Uh, the administrators um, told the principals, um, parents are upset that this is being taught, and they can see it on their kids' computers, so um, just take it off the platform and send it to the kids a different way and make up a, a false curriculum to tell the parents that's what you're really teaching. So it's to that extent of falsifying the curriculum. They know what they're doing is something the parents won't like. The parents, they understand that it's all it's all nuts, which is, I think was what would You've been telling us that it's all crazy. It is, but they don't really understand. I don't think the parents understand yet what the purpose of it is. When you look at the 1619 Project uh, essays that were written, what they do is they are saying we need to tear down the free enterprise and individual liberty system and tear it all down, get rid of it, uh, based on this, this false narrative that America is based on slavery and substitute for it um, something very, very left-wing socialist or even communist. So that's the purpose of it. And when you look at the, what I testified in, in July, last July, about the, the uh, erroneous data 
in the 1619 project. That was fine. And then I testified in September, and not only did I talk about that, but the fact that the editor-in-chief at the New York Times of the project, Nicole Hannah-Jones, when she was approached by a very, very good historian, uh, Phil Magnus, speaking on behalf of other very good academic historians, to point out to her directly all the errors in the 1619 curriculum, she just doubled down. She said she doesn't care about factual inaccuracies, inaccuracies in uh, her professional product. She sidestepped the criticism by admitting that her project is not history. Remember, it's a resource on the Department of Education website. It's being taught as history in our school. Yeah, so I'm and, quoting and, her. Well, the fight over the 1619 Project is not about history. It's about memory. I've always said that the 1619 Project is not a history. It is a work of journalism that explicitly seeks to challenge the national narrative and therefore the national memory. And translated, that, that, that means propaganda, not history, and we're teaching propaganda. And in fact... That's the best it's myth. That's and, the best it's myth. Yeah. It's and, not history. Exactly. And also, as some of our listeners may know, and all of them should know, last week, the Department of Education under Joe Biden issued a notice of proposed rulemaking, which means that you can send in comments... And in that notice of proposed rulemaking with respect to the Department of Education, what they are proposing is the teaching of critical race theory. And by that, what they are doing is they're prioritizing federal funds for the teaching of critical race theory to state and local boards of education to fund this lunacy. That's what's happening, and it's to the tune of billions of dollars. And as everybody in the audience knows, when the federal fund spigot turns on, that means school systems are going to be hard-pressed to avoid or to reject that money. Everyone's going to be at the trough looking for that money with the only condition being teach critical race. This is a cancer on our educational system, what do you think, Mike? I would I would be very careful as as a, a, a member of a, of a local board of education. I've litigated some parent complaints before boards of education. What I found is almost every one of them has a policy that says all the material taught to the students must be accurate. So if you're teaching, if you're mandating or even allowing your teachers to teach inaccurate material, and the student is damaged by this, which students are. I think you can get some expert testimony to show how they're damaged. I think that there are some good paths to litigation and and, uh, damages, and certainly equitable relief getting them to stop it. Um, Of course, this all takes time and it all takes money, but I think I'd be very careful. Um, I've talked to uh, Superintendent in Beachwood. He's a gentleman I've known for years. He seems to be a really nice man. Um, When my wife Beverly put on her national security symposium at the high school, in 2007, I think, he was the principal of the high school. Um, he said to me after a school board meeting a couple of months ago that uh, they don't teach critical race theory in the Beachwood School. Now, students had just gotten done commenting to the group that he thanked the board for letting the teachers teach critical race theory in the school. Be that as it may, he says they don't teach it. What they mean is they don't call it critical race theory. Exactly. Mike, hold that thought. We're going to have to go to break, and if you can hold on... We'll finish this up when we come back. And if not, Mike, if you've got the time, we may have some time at 1030 if we can get back in touch with you. This is an important conversation. We want to revisit it. Okay? Yeah, that's fine. Just let me know. 
<laughs> I'll hold on the line. Thanks. Back on the Bob France Authority, Pete Kersenow substituting for Bob France. Greatest bumper music in the world. We had some Jimi Hendrix. We've got Born to be Wild. And we've also got great guests in the form presently of Mike Goldstein. We're talking about the 1619 Project and what it's being, uh, and what's being done in the state of Ohio to propagandize our kids. Mike, what can parents do? You touched upon this before the break, but what can parents do to forestall this immersion of their kids in this kind of racist nonsense? Well, I'm glad that parents are finally recognizing <clears throat> excuse me, what's going on. Uh, they don't really understand the theoretical basis for it, uh, which I can get to in a minute. But what they can do about it is what has been done in several states. Um <clears throat> They need to replace the school boards in the in the districts who are doing the, who are teaching this stuff. Um, we started doing that back in uh, 2006 or 2007 at Proclaiming Justice for the Nations. When a parent came with a complaint to Lori Cardoso Moore, our founder and president, that um, there's stuff being taught to their kids in school that it's okay to blow up a restaurant full of civilians in, uh, in Jerusalem or Tel Aviv. Uh, and kill them because you have a beef with the politics of the Israeli government. Um, and she asked the school board, the principal, the teacher, then the school board, to get it out of the, the curriculum. And eventually the school board uh, uh, refused to take it out. Uh, Lori was there with about 200 angry moms. And uh, I say that uh, what people need to do is show up at all their local school board meetings, listen to what's going on, Ask questions in public session. Are they teaching this? Are they teaching that? And don't just call it critical race theory. Ask specific questions about what the kids are learning. Um, and tell them that you will replace them if they don't get it out of the schools. And what she did, what Lori did in Williamson County, Tennessee, was uh, they replaced in the next election all six members of the school board with their own people. Yeah, That's and I what saw... you have to do. I, I followed the 200 angry moms and T-shirts thing. You need to get together a critical mass of parents who understand what's going on. And I, I understand that some of them are afraid. They're afraid the teachers will take it out on their kids, that maybe they'll be victimized, as has happening in uh, in Virginia, and pe- and people will lose their jobs because the the other side is going to try to cancel them. Right. But it's a fight. It's a fight for our civilization. Yeah, it's, it's that, it's that important, Mike. I agree with you. I mean, it sounds over the top when you hear about a fight for our civilization, but that's a proper characterization of what's going on. And thanks so much for being at the forefront of that fight when it was a lonely fight, when not too many people understood the threat that it posed to our kids, to our educational system, to our, actually, our, our way of life. And I've seen, as you've just indicated, I know I'm in the middle of it also and get scores of phone calls and emails from parents sure. all over the country. But the, the encouraging thing is that people are starting to collectivize, not in the bad sense, but they're getting together and they're mobilizing. I just saw this morning, for example, that a bunch of school board members were replaced in Texas because right. they were not doing anything about critical race theory. And there are more and more parents 
that are engaged in this struggle, you've helped motivate parents, you've provided a framework in your testimony before the State Board of Education, and we have to continue uh, doing that on a regular basis. So for our listeners out there, understand that we can win this fight and win it actually fairly quickly. Some of us get dispirited because we've seen over the years that conservatives, you know, we need our champions in the legislature, in the executive branch and elsewhere to assist us. And it seems like every time we engage in the fight, they abandon us. I don't think that's happening right now. It looks like there are many legislators out there at the state and federal level who understand the critical nature, no no pun intended, of this fight. And we've got people like Mike Goldstein who are showing the way. And so if we just make a phone call, an email, a text, that will help do it. Mike Goldstein, thanks very much. This is critical. We must continue the fight. At the top of the hour, when we come back from break, we've got a number of callers on hold. They've been hold for a long time. TJ, John, Peter, etc. We're going to get to all of you at the uh, other side of the top of the hour, and we're going to talk about what are the threats America faces. What's